Hey, welcome to Church Experience. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. So excited for today's service. If it happens to be your first time with us, we would love to connect with you. The best way for us to do that is if you head over to churchexperience.tv connect. It's also a great place to go if you have any questions, any comments, any prayer requests. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to get back to you and we would love to be praying for you. Well, if you were here last week, you know that we started our brand new teaching series, Storyteller. And I am so excited for week two. So without any further ado, let's get into to it. Let's stand and let's worship our God together. We want to open our hearts. We want to show up and open our hearts for this message. We pray that you come to us and teach us. And we want to be surrounded by you. We want to, to dwell in your presence. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pastor Greg Smith, lead pastor from Church Experience Bradenton. Man, what an awesome Sunday it is. Coming off of a, a Labor Day weekend, some of us had shorter weeks. Uh, when you're a family my size, it's a long week, you know what I'm saying? But my goodness, we made it. We made it. And what an awesome occasion it is to get together as brothers and sisters in Christ to celebrate the Lord. I mean, it's just awesome. It's awesome when I think about how many people uh, that don't get this opportunity. I think about uh, brothers and sisters that are in the Middle East right now, representing Christ and going through so much chaos, and we get to worship together within our freedoms. And, and this is something that we should never, never take for granted. And I am forever grateful that the Lord would use us for this opportunity. Hey, listen, I, man, Connie Ray and I have six kids, right? We have six children. We're, we're a, a family of eight, and, and it's busy. It's very busy, especially when it comes to, to ministry. And we've been doing this thing for, for a little over a decade now, and, and uh, we wouldn't change it for the world. This is absolutely our life song, our life song. And when I was thinking about this message this week and, and us going through the uh, storyteller series where we're talking about the, the parables of, of Jesus, I couldn't help to think about how many times has God showed me so much through the stories that he's told and how far he has brought us as a family through ministry. I'm reminded of of a time when, when it was just Gregory and Elijah, our, our, our two sons. And we were in Bristol, Virginia. I was an associate pastor of, of a church there. Um, and I didn't know much about Bristol. And so when we moved there, I had a lot to learn. First of all, one of the things that I learned was that Bristol was famous for, for NASCAR. And so obviously the evangelist in me signed up for, for NASCAR and and uh, I'm a chaplain for Raceway Ministries, and, and I learned all about the, the Bristol culture, the, the half mile. It's Bristol, baby, is what, how they said, and, and it was awesome. You know, I wish someone would have told me that when you go to a NASCAR race, you, you got to wear earplugs. You know, that hurt. <laughs> I mean, hurt. But, you know, after two weeks or so, I did get my hearing back finally, uh, praise God. But uh, that just reminded me of the things that, that I, I really take for granted. But what an amazing town that was tucked away on the side of a mountain. Such a loving congregation, a blue-collar congregation. And we lived in a parsonage. So literally, the church was right here. You had the parking lot. And my house was right there on the other side of the parking lot. So you can imagine we had all types of visitors, wanted and unwanted. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, those of us that, that have been in ministry and have, have lived in parsonages understand that you are 24-7. And as a, young, as a young pastor, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm eager, I'm zealous. And, you know, the, the area was surrounded by uh, trailer parks and on the other side, on the main road, had a, a lot of, um, uh, how would I explain it, just very low-income hotels. 
and motels, and um, that's just the environment it was. So I was excited for the opportunity to, to present the gospel. I mean, this, this young preacher saw this as an opportunity, and the Lord did a major work in that ministry. And part of that ministry was me doing benevolence. And I mean, despite all of the, the two o'clock knocks on the doors by, by addicts and drunks, which I absolutely loved, uh, my wife not so much, but you know, and talking to, to teens that, that parents weren't around and, and that part I, I really, really uh, grew to love as well. At the church, during church hours, we would have several visitors, right? And I remember one couple in particular. There's this guy, he's a middle-aged guy, that, that came to the church, and um, he said, you know, Pastor Greg, we're, uh, me and my wife, we, we have a son, and we're, we're down and out. Um, I lost my job. And I've been clean for, for three months, and, and we're living in a hotel. He said, I need some help. You know, um, I don't know what to do. They're about to kick us out of this hotel room. Would you help us for a night? And this wasn't surprising to me. This was, this was something pretty normal, a usual thing. And I did exactly what, it, what I had been trained to do. And what I did was I helped this, this gentleman with a night. I gave him some resources for some local ministries and, and gave him some groceries and took his family out to eat. And uh, that was that. Now, what had happened next, I wasn't such prepared for. So the next day, this gentleman comes back. And it was pretty much the same story. They said, uh, Pastor Greg, I'm, I'm so sorry. He said, I want, I want to learn more about this God thing. I'm getting my life together, and it's not what it used to be, but, but I'm struggling. I have this eight-year-old son and my wife, and, and we're living in a hotel, and I don't have a way to keep us here. Will you help us one more time? And I said, listen... Um, I'm going to help you, but listen, the, the church doesn't really have funds like that. I have to be extremely stewardess with the, the church's funds. I said, I can help you one more time, but that, that's going to be it. It's, it's, this is clear cut. I'm being straight up with you. I can help you one more night, but there's no way that, that the church would be able to help you again. And, and, and don't get me wrong. We were a, a loving, a, that is a loving congregation, blue collar but we didn't have much resources. And our family was poor. I mean, we, we lived off the church garden on the, on the property. So, you know, we ourselves were, were really just grinding in and, and working things out. And I said, I, I, I'll help you, you one more night. And we got him that room. And then after I told him that, he said, Pastor Greg, I, I really want to learn more about God, the way that, that you've, you've treated me and, and the way that you act towards me, it's a little bit different than, than the normal response. People have been very kind of rough with me and, and uh, judgmental, and rightfully so. I am homeless with, with, with my wife and kid, but there's something different about you and, and uh, what you're doing here at the church. 
He said, I'd like to know more about God. I went to church as a child. Um, I fell out away from the church as a teenager, and I never went back. And I want my son to know more about Jesus. And I want to know more so that I can be a good husband to, to my wife. And I said, absolutely, we'll, we'll start counseling. We'll, we'll do this. We'll walk through the Bible and we'll learn more about this Jesus guy. Um, that's my, my passion. I said, absolutely. And so we set up a time for, for him and his wife to come. And that day, it was a, a Saturday. Sunday morning, him and his wife and their son come to church, come to service. And we're worshiping. After worship service, we, we invited them to our house. We're, we're eating dinner, and we're hanging out, and, and we're having fun. And after we're eating dinner and having fun, uh, I'm like, okay, so, you know, we got to get settled in. So I'm giving them a ride back to the hotel to, to drop them off. So we go over to the hotel, and there's two trash bags outside of their door. They were being kicked out of the hotel. And he sent them out of the car, his wife and kids out the car, and he tells me, look, I don't know where we're going to go. And at this moment, I'm looking at this eight-year-old, I'm looking at this mom, and I'm talking to this dad in the car, who had just asked me yesterday about this Jesus guy. And I said, you know what? Go get those trash bags. You're coming with me. I brought this couple in my house, and they lived in my basement. Now, I got a lot of scrutiny from it. You know, people didn't understand you don't know these people. Why would you bring them in my house? And, and Connie Ray, my wife, was so gracious. You know, she had every reason to choke me. But she said, you know what, Greg? We got to live like Jesus lives. She said, we got to live like Jesus lives. And she had every reason to be mad at me. So we allowed this family that we did not know to live with us. And there's people that told me that I was crazy and that I shouldn't have done it. But one thing that I knew was the same thing that my wife told me on the front porch that day. We got to live like Jesus lives. And don't you know, uh, through a rigorous process, uh, this guy would get up every morning and go to work. Uh, he, he, he got a steady job within three weeks. And six weeks later, he got into his own house. He got into his own house. How about that? What next? We baptized him, his wife, and his son. Gave their life to the Lord. Gave their life to the Lord. And now I'm hearing that their leader is in the church. Their leader is in the church. And people are calling me crazy. Like, what are you doing? You, you let a homeless person live in your house? Really? You don't know their tendencies. You don't know what they could do, what they're capable of. Your kids are there. Why would you do such a thing? It's because 
It's what Jesus would do. So when I titled this message, I, I titled it after this famous song written in 1984 by Tina Turner that says, What's love got to do? What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Have you ever loved so, someone so much that you would do anything for them? Have you loved someone so much that, that you would do something foolish? You know, that, that you would go overboard. Like this couple that was, that was out of our house, we, we had to love them like Jesus loved them. There's no way I could uh, primarily leave an eight-year-old homeless right under my nose. Certainly, Jesus cares about this child that does not have a home. Who was supposed to leave them? Who was supposed to help them? I love them. Have you ever loved someone so much that you did something foolish? Have you ever loved so much, someone so much that you gave all that you had? Maybe you're an elderly person and, and you're at home and you're, you're wishing that your child would call you and you're lonely. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? See, in, in Luke... Chapter 10, Jesus tells us a story, and we have to get a backdrop on, on this story. Starting in verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. 
This is a famous story about the Good Samaritan, but the Good Samaritan is a story that, that you have to really understand the backdrop. If you don't get the beginning of, of what's happening here, then you really won't get the, 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 the just and the, the magnitude of what Jesus is teaching here. We come uh, starting off full circle with, with a lawyer, an expert in the law, trained in the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of your Bible. And he approaches Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, what's up, man? Um, how, do, how do I internal life? How, how do I inherit internal life? And Jesus says, read it. Read it for yourself. What does it say? Read it for yourself. What does it say? <laughs> what an answer. What an answer. Wise counsel will always refer you to the word of God. Wise counsel will always refer you to the word of God. Not your mama, not your pastor, not your dad, not your cousin in them, not your teacher. The word of God. What does God say? If you want to know the truth about something, if you really want to know the answer to something, what does God say? What does God say? Wise counsel will always lead you to the word of God. And the lawyer reads it, and the lawyer says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And later on in the scriptures, Jesus says that, that the two greatest commandments, everything on the, in the law encompasses on these two commandments, Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Wait a minute. Let's pause right there. You mean to tell me not the feast of unleavened bread, not the other feast, not the, not the Passover, not, not, not wearing certain clothes, not eating certain things, not, not showing up at a certain hour and doing certain things. To, to, the, to, the, everything according to the law is based on love? In a world full of thou shalt not, it's all based on thou shalt. And he's specific. He doesn't leave you hanging. How does God want us to love? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Two, just two commandments. And you pass the whole test. It's the end of the year exam. And the teacher tells you there's 250 questions on this exam. But if you answer two right, the other 248 are, are exempt. They don't even matter. That would be a good deal, right? If you're 12 payments left, left, uh, behind on your mortgage, 12 payments behind, and the bank says, we are going to foreclose on your house. But you know what? If you pay two payments on your mortgage, we'll wipe out the other 10. That would be a good deal, right? That is what Jesus is saying here. Two commandments encompasses the whole thing. He commands to love. He legislates love. How do you love? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love. What's love got to do with it? 
What's love got to do with it? The wise wife tells her husband, hey, listen, I don't want you to focus on cheating on me. I want you to focus on loving me, loving me with everything. Because the wise wife understands if you love me with everything, you'll be too busy into me then to cheat on me. Love God with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. My goodness. It sounds good, but it's not always that. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, see, thou shalt not steal is pretty easy if you love the person. It's pretty easy to, to love that person and not hurt them. And see, here lies the problem. The lawyer, it says in verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. He said, wait a minute, Jesus. Wait a minute. Who's my neighbor, bro? Who's, you mean the, the neighbor that, that lets the dog poop in my yard? Not that neighbor, right? You mean the, the neighbor like that, that I don't like across the street? Not that neighbor. You mean love the neighbor as myself? <laughs> Buddy, who's, who's my neighbor? And Jesus is so cool, he don't even answer him. He says, a certain man. <laughs> he don't even answer him. He said, a, a certain man was coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And that alone tells us that this was a, a Jewish man. And this road from, from Jerusalem to Jericho is, is, is downhill. And it's, it's a, a, a rough area. You don't walk down this road alone. There's, there's thieves, there's mobs. And so why is this guy walking down from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho by himself? Jesus doesn't tell us this, but we know that this is a rough road. I mean, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, and there's this street called Sproul Avenue. Man, you don't want to play with Sproul Avenue. You don't want to go. I don't want to go in there by myself. But I do know that me being from Charleston, I probably won't have as much of a problem as somebody that's not from that area. But I certainly ain't going at night. And if I do go, I'm going to have somebody with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't go down this road. But this certain guy goes down this road. And he gets mobbed. And he gets beaten. Left for dead. And who walks by? A priest. A priest walks by him. And he looks at him. And he goes to the other side and walks by. Now, who is this priest? The priest would be somebody that helps, uh, that, that leads in, in the temple. These are, these are your pastors. These are your religious leaders. As a Jewish person, this is the person that leads in the law. I'm fo he's following the law. He's keeping the law, right? He's, he's keeping the law to the fullest extent. This is your pastor. 
But under Levitical law, if you touch someone that's bloody and dead, that means you're unclean. You can't do your temple duties. He goes on the other side and walks by the man. Who's next? A Levite. A Levite, someone who, 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 who serves in the temple right under the priest. This is like a, like a deacon, like a, a servant, a lead servant in the church. Certainly this man keeps the law. And what does he do? This is, this is the, the, the pinnacle. This is who I, I look up to as a lawyer. And Jesus is saying, hey, this Levite sees this guy beaten, this Jewish guy beaten, his own brother beaten on the ground and looks at him and goes to the other side and walks by. But there again, he too couldn't be touching anything unclean. And then Jesus goes and says, a Samaritan, a Samaritan, a Samaritan. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Some Jewish scholars would say they would rather let a pregnant woman die with the child of Samaritan than have a Samaritan born. A Samaritan is the complete opposite of a Jew. They don't like the Jews. They don't worship the same God as the Jews. They are despised. They are completely opposite. This is the Democrat. This is the Republican. This is the Muslim that walks by this guy. And he had compassion on him. He gave him some oil and alcohol, some medicine and antiseptic to clean up his wounds. He said, you know what? You take my donkey, I'll walk. Doesn't stop there. He takes this guy to an innkeeper. Pays for the guy's expenses and, and says, hey, hey, if this guy goes over what I paid you, buddy, I, I, I'll, I'll take care of it. And Jesus looks at the lawyer and said, which one of those guys was the neighbor? And this lawyer, still stuck in his ideology, still stuck in his selfishness, not understanding the principle of love, says the one who showed compassion on him, didn't even have the right the dignity, the integrity to say Samaritan. He couldn't even say it. He said the one who had compassion on him. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? My neighbor is the one with a need right in front of me. My neighbor is the one with a need right in front of me. Right in front of me. Who's your neighbor? Who do you love? In a world full of dissension 
in a world full of injustices, in a world full of pain, who is your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Even a Samaritan, even a Republican, even a Democrat, even a Muslim or a Mexican. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? This is the story of the Good Samaritan. This is the story. And Jesus tells him and tells us as the church to go and do likewise. In his prayer, he said that they will know that we are his disciples by our love. And even Jesus himself had to wrestle with it when he was battling to go to the cross. He said, Lord, if you can, take this cup from me. But out of love, he looks to the Father and says, not my will, but thine. Do you love sacrificially? Are you loving your neighbor? Are you loving someone that does not look like you? Are you loving someone that does not vote like you? Are you loving someone that doesn't have the same religion as you? Do you love your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor? Imagine a world where we all, as bodies of believers, decided to just love. Imagine what it would look like if, if all of us together would, would just love our neighbor despite the differences, despite if you like them, despite if they're the same as you, despite if they're dog poops in your yard, despite if they're a different political view, despite a different ethnicity. Imagine what this would look like and how much our world would change. And you ask me, Pastor Greg, what's love got to do with it? Absolutely everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what's up. That's what's up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you told stories. And thank you for helping us see how we need to love the way that you love. Lord, you had every reason not to love us. But yet, while we were yet sinners, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And you said, if you love me, take up your cross, and follow me. So, Father, we ask that we justify 
we ask that we don't justify who we love. We ask that we can live a life full of love despite how we feel. We ask that we love unconditionally because you first loved us. Lord, help us to not see a need and not meet it. Help us as a church to love well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as week two of our Storyteller Teaching Series is coming to a close, we would love to hear what you thought about today's service. Head over to churchexperience.tv connect. It's also a great place to go if you have any questions, any comments, or any prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you, love to get back to you, and we would love to be praying for you. If you want some more Church Experience content throughout your week, head over to our social media pages, our Facebook, our Instagram. Also, head over to the Church Experience website and download the Church Experience app. We hope to see all of you back here next week, but until then, we'll see you.